This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Here on the Maroon Friday edition of the Yard. Hope you're wearing maroon today. Uh, No baseball game today, as you guys are well aware by now. We've had a tremendous amount of rain in the greater Starkville area that uh, continued to rain even through what first pitch would have been. The decision was made last night to go ahead and push to a Saturday doubleheader. First pitch is at noon. The second game will begin 40 minutes after the first game concludes. So a couple things you need to know. Friday and Saturday tickets will be honored for both games. However, Saturday tickets take seating priority. So if you bought a chair back from Friday from somebody and then somebody else has a Saturday chair back ticket, you're going to be general admission. Also, parking passes will only be honored for Saturday only. So you need to make sure you've got a parking pass for Saturday. If you show up with the Friday parking pass, it will not be accepted. Everybody has to kind of, you know, adjust on the fly here. But uh, doubleheader tomorrow. Uh, we're going to recap our uh, ball game from last night. Talk about a tough night in Auburn for the ladies. Preview a Saturday for the men. And that'll be going on while we're playing baseball. So we'll do our best to keep up with that. Uh, our Justin Frommer will be there uh, covering, providing in-depth and in-person coverage as uh, we get ready to uh, hopefully take a game from Auburn. But, uh, yeah, if you hadn't done so, let me encourage you. Uh, download the True Rest app. Or you can call 662-268-7601 to book your appointment. My lovely bride will answer the phone. Had several Boneyard listeners that have come in and floated with us, and it's it's been great. I want to share with you real quickly a review. I tweeted it out earlier. I don't know if you've seen it, but we're going to go over it either way. Just because I wanted to, I, I want you guys to understand. You don't have to take my word for it. I'm going to give you a recent review that is pretty consistent with the other reviews that we're getting. Selling a ton of memberships. That's a, that's a benefit that's available to you. And uh, we've got some grand opening specials and things like that. Your first float, just 65 bucks. And how often do you take an hour for yourself? Pretty rarely. But here is a review from Carolyn Wilson McKenzie, who floated just yesterday. I floated yesterday. It was beyond amazing. When I walked in, I was met by Dana. She is friendly, calming, and so compassionate. After spending time with her, I consider myself more of her friend than a new client. Although I see a counselor for anxiety, depression, etc., I think Dana is my, quote, bonus counselor. 
Other than Dana, my first impression was that no expenses were spared to provide a first-class spa experience. That's true. I've got the receipts. Uh, you must see this for yourself. When I entered the pod and lie down, I said, wow, I carried my stress in my shoulders and neck. But within five minutes, I was totally relaxed. Time disappeared. I can only describe the experience as floating on air. When after an hour, I heard, it's time to exit the pod, my response was, do I have to? I've had arthritis for about half of my 70 years. I taught high school students, and she continues to go there. But the reality of it is this. If you're a person that's dealing with anxiety, depression, stress, and we all are in some respect, or some chronic pain, maybe you've got some old sports injuries, maybe you've had some surgical procedures, maybe you just need some physical and mental relief, we can help you with that at True Rest Arkville. Come by and check us out. Uh, we're in the University Crossing Shopping Center. That's the same shopping center as Starbucks right next door to Little Caesars. And uh, we're awfully proud of the place and uh, so incredibly pleased with the start we're off to. Just been open a couple of weeks here and um, already got a ton of new members. And uh, it's been great. So thanks so much for your support. I know some people are like, you know what, Steve, I've never done this. I can float in my bathtub. No, you can't. I can float in my swimming pool. No, you can't. No, you can't. Not without some effort. You're going to effortlessly float here because there's 1,200 pounds of magnesium-infused Epsom salt that ensures that happens. So, again, download the True Rest app or dial 662-268-7601. We'll get you taken care of. Uh, I think we got 16 floaters today. I think that's right. And so if you're in town this weekend, maybe come float with us before you leave town. Or if you're a Golden Triangle regular, we got people coming as far as Away is Oxford and Tuscaloosa and Birmingham, places like that. People just want to experience this because we are a, a people in pain, mentally or physically. You may get a little bit of a relief from that. So, again, we encourage you to come be a part of that. So, uh, again, thank you. I want to also remind you guys, too, that uh, basketball season's winding down, and uh, we discussed kind of parking priority. There's really only one more conflict that's coming up here pretty soon basketball parking takes priority so plan ahead like if you're a single game uh, uh, you know participant I guess you know, if you don't get to come to a game very often understand that's how those things work um, had a chance to sit down and speak to Jeff Levy earlier this week too I can tell you there's a lot of excitement around Bulldog football as we get ready to open spring practice here in just about two weeks a little over two weeks We'll have full coverage for you over at jeanspage.com. You can um, become an annual member right now for 30% off the annual subscription rate. Excited to see this group on the field. You know, we've got nearly, you know, half the roster is nearly new players. You've got a ton of guys already there. 32 new players enrolled for the spring semester. Let that sink in for a second. I remember when it was a big deal that we got a handful. It's like, oh, great, this early enrollment thing is brand new. I hope we can benefit. We got a few guys in. I remember that. If I remember correctly, that first group was like Fletcher Cox and Chad Bumpus and Cam Lawrence and a couple of others, but we didn't have a ton. We got a ton of early enrollment guys, either through transfer, through the junior college ranks, and even through the high school ranks, and Stonka Burnside, even one of those guys too. Uh, that, that's a chore in and of itself. Very excited for him and his family. Shows the hard work he put in uh, to come be a part of spring practice. And I think these guys, that, that high school guys that go through spring practice, have a running start into potentially playing some this year. Now, if they're not ready, we redshirt them, right? They can still play four games. What a great rule that was. Uh, the NCAA hadn't always done a lot of good things. That's one of them, right? And uh, I don't know if you've kept up with this at all, but this case against Tennessee, this NIL deal, 
uh, has now been paused. And uh, our Ross Dellinger, Mississippi State alum Ross Dellinger, very, 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 very in tune with what's going on. And when I need national news about college football, Ross is where I turn because Ross is incredibly well-sourced when it comes to this sort of stuff. Uh, we may beat him on some coaching search stuff on, on occasion, but uh, he is very, very, very well-connected uh, when it comes to Southeastern Conference football and really everything kind of going on with NCAA. And he shared some things today. There are still some things in place. A lot of people think, well, anything goes now with NIL. That's not necessarily true. What's interesting that I, I took away from Ross's take is that the quid pro quo requirement for NIL remains in place. Well, you guys may recall a couple years ago, we did an NIL deal with Kellum Clark to help promote Dogpile. So he did a short video for us. We paid him. And so he got something, we got something. So there was value in both sides. What we've had here for several months now is basically players getting money without doing anything for them in return. So that's something that I think will be interesting to see. How is that legislated? How is that enforced? Because uh, you've got a lot of collectives out there that, uh, you know, kind of working hard to do what they need to do within the framework of the NCAA bylaws. And then Charlie Baker comes out today and says, hey, the quid pro quo requirement remains in place. I don't know that it's in place. It's kind of my point. But uh, it is very interesting that the, uh, the court system has basically said the NCAA cannot enforce some of its own rules. And it's a private institution that uh, exists publicly. And so there, it's a little interesting to see. And uh, I'm not an attorney. I just kind of play one on the Internet from time to time. Uh, you know my joke there. But uh, the reality of it is, is this is an evolving and changing world. And I would encourage you to keep up with Ross. As, uh, again, he seems to get his hands on some emails and memorandums, I think, sometimes that aren't intended for him. That's good journalism there. So, again, uh, thumbs up to Ross. Uh, that's my go-to source when I need this information. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, two longtime sponsors of the show. Man, I love Bulldog Burger Company. You should, too, if you don't already. You may already have an incredible love affair with Bulldog Burger Company. It's just one of those things you only have to go once to kind of understand, I need to go back. Right? There's so many places out there kind of competing for your dining dollar, and they don't always give you what you pay for. Matter of fact, sometimes they give you less than what you pay for because they tack on some convenience fee or something like that. And I think it's really more about uh, it's there for their convenience, not for me. But there is integrity in pricing the Bulldog Burger Company. There's also a great meal in your future. When you sit down and put your feet under their table, they're going to take care of you. They are. They know exactly what to do when it comes to feeding folks. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, the Lake Harbor Drive uh, location in the Ridge and Flowood area. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. And guys, try that Mississippi barbecue burger. I, I think it will probably change your life. And maybe if it's not that dramatic of a change, maybe it'll change your mood. It'll certainly get you nourished. It'll certainly get you full. It's one of the things I love about going there is the portions there are so substantial. I feel like I'm kind of getting over. You know, you know what I'm saying? And maybe you don't feel like a burger today, but the kids do. Have that BLT salad. I like it grilled. You may prefer it fried. No matter uh, how you get it, I probably would recommend uh, dousing it with ranch dressing. It's true. What's life without a little whimsy? 
Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. Okay, we're going to open with a baseball win here. Uh, Mississippi State has won its third straight game, now 6-4 and four overall. Mount St. Mary's drops to 1-7. and seven. Uh, Interesting comments, too, that the, you know, it's, I'm not going to get on my soapbox too much today, but that understood. It feels like there's some people that are rooting against us. I'm going to let that sink in for a second. And maybe that's not the intention, but that's how some of the commentary comes out. It's like we win a game and we can't be happy that we won because it doesn't fit the direction that we feel like things should go. I think that's a terrible place to be in. But you find yourself rooting against your team so you can be right on the Internet. And and the Facebook groups are filled with these people. Filled with them. It's like, oh, I, you know, I don't want to watch the game. I'm not going to go to the game, but I'm going to comment on the game, and I'm going to tell you this. And it's so amazing how often these people are wrong about stuff. It's pretty crazy. It is. Uh, I'm going to cheer for Mississippi State in every sporting event, and I'm going to support every coach as long as they're our coach. Maybe you see it differently. That's how I feel. I'm just going to lay it out for you. That's how I feel. I want Mississippi State to win. I think the best thing for us is, is for Chris Lamonis and the staff to have a great year. I think that's what's best for Mississippi State baseball. And some would say, Steve, you fail to see the bigger picture. Maybe it's better if we make a coaching change and get somebody in that can win with greater regularity. Uh, you don't win an AFL championship by accident. You don't. And uh, I continue to see this false narrative out there is that, you know, the, the roster was filled with Andy Cannizzaro's players. That wasn't true. John Cohen, Andy Cannizzaro, and Chris Lamonis all contributed to that roster. I've broken it down several times for you guys. Uh, but any time that Mississippi State takes the court, takes the field, takes the diamond, stands in a softball circle, any time that happens, I'm going to pull for Mississippi State. I'm a Mississippi State guy. That's who I am. I don't really make any um, claims otherwise. I want Mississippi State to win. I don't need to be right on the Internet, though I make my living on the Internet, right? I don't need to go out there and have the hot take. And I remember, you know, around this time last year, I had some people. You're like, hey, I'm hearing this and hearing that and hearing this. This guy's well-connected. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. What are you hearing? Well, you know, if you're so well-connected, why do you care what I'm hearing? If you've got it right... If you're well-sourced in the matter, then probably that's what you should go report. But you want me to confirm it. Why do you need my confirmation? I guess I should take that as a compliment. Because what you're really saying is that you don't have confidence in your sources. That's what you're saying. Well, this is what I heard. Well, great. Go with what you've heard. It's not what I've heard. And I remember people were like, oh, we've already got people willing to write the check, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And then things didn't go the way they forecasted. Then all of a sudden, we start having to kind of crawfish a little bit. Well, we couldn't get check written. Well, wait a minute. It can't be both ways. Your sources were telling you we had people willing to write a check, and then we couldn't write the check. That makes no sense. Not with the money that we have behind baseball, period. We've got some baseball donors out there that write whatever check we want. We didn't build this cathedral of a baseball stadium uh, and pay for it with food stamps. We didn't. You know, people forget that. A lot of people in those uh, 
seat licensing agreements, you know, for a few more years here that, um, you know, are really kind of non-revenue producing customers right now that gave us the money to get started, kind of the pre-sale opportunity uh, to give us some currency to work with. We got ready to build that stadium. We got some cash on hand. So don't sit here and tell me we can't afford to do something when it comes to baseball because we absolutely can't. All right, let's look back uh, at last night's game. Of course, State wins 12-2. And for the first time in a while, State gets off to a decent start here. And I don't mean on the pitching side, which was dominant. No pun intended there. Dominant. But State gets out to an early 2-0 lead. So we're not chasing the game. And how many times this year has it felt like that? You know, we're just out here chasing the game. We get down and we got to scrap up and, you know, tie the game in the middle innings and win it late. But State gets up 2-0. And that was great. I don't care who the competition is. Everything is better when you have a lead. When you're up 2-0 and you got Nate Dahlman on the mound who is emerging as our ace. I wrote that column this morning. You can pitch aggressively. You can really challenge hitters because a solo home run doesn't hurt you. You go right at guys. You don't have to get out there and just kind of nibble. You just challenge hitters. And we found out pretty early these guys from Mount St. Mary's couldn't handle a fastball. And then I go read the commentary from some of our experts, and it's like, well, yeah, we were still relying on the fastball. Guys, if they can't hit the fastball, why would you ever throw a breaking ball? Maybe you know more about baseball than I do. Maybe, maybe you do. I don't know. I don't think so, but maybe you do. I know when I coached high school ball, when I found out that a team couldn't handle the fastball, I was going to save some wear and tear on my pitcher's arm and hopefully in turn save some wear and tear on the bullpen because my guy can go longer rather than throwing a bunch of breaking balls up there just for practice. I'm just trying to win a baseball game. And so they can't catch up to the fastball. We're going to keep pounding the fastball until they prove they can hit it. And then when they prove that to us, then we'll start introducing maybe a changeup or you know, a breaking ball to keep them off balance. But if they can't hit the fastball, just go at them. And that's what Nate Dome did. And then the second, third time through the order, he introduced some additional pitches, uh, which is outstanding. 8,633 was a paid attendance. There may have, there may have been 600 people there. You know, that, that uh, 3 p.m. start on a Thursday kind of eliminates a lot of our fans from attending. Uh, we know that you were there with us in spirit. We appreciate that. But, uh, you know, Nate Dahl, one, two, three in the first inning. We mentioned getting up ahead uh, 2 nothing early. You get the leadoff walk, and it's amazing. Amani Larry's on-base percentage was already really good. But now that David Mershon has entered the lineup here, Larry is getting on with even greater regularity. Amani gets on, and then he's thrown out stealing. I, I thought in live time that he was safe. They call him out. They review it, and uh, they say the call stands. Well, they said confirmed, and uh, I didn't see anything on the replay that showed a confirmation, but it's one of those things where it's very difficult to overturn the call in the field without something egregious, right? It just doesn't happen that way. All right, so Larry's out, and you think, oh, we've run ourselves out of the inning. But no, Dave Mershon singles to left field. He's been absolutely outstanding, hitting 500 now. And then Dakota Jordan, great, great effort here, doubles to left. Dave takes third. Now all of a sudden you got runners at second and third, two men in scoring position with less than two outs. And Hunter Hines, the much maligned Hunter Hines, and I don't understand it, Hunter Hines singles through the right side and a couple runs score. I ran the numbers earlier today because we were having a discussion about Hunter Hines over on the jeanspage.com message board. You guys should come help me in that discussion. 
Guys, through 10 games last year, do you know what Hunter Hines' batting average was? Do you know? It was 200. He had three home runs and seven RBI. Now, he hadn't hit a home run this year, and people are like, what's wrong with Hunter Hines? I don't know what you mean. What's wrong with Hunter Hines? Well, he hadn't hit a home run yet, Steve. Yeah, he's only hitting 366 with 13 RBI. So he's hitting 166 points higher at this point this year than he was last year. And he has nearly twice as many runs driven in. There's nothing wrong with Hunter Hines. Oh, yeah. Well, he had, hadn't hit the long ball. He's drilled some baseballs. And people are like, oh, well, you know, he just, you know, he lost some weight, so he didn't have as much power. You know, what you're really doing is telling off on yourself. Guys, it's not home run derby, it's baseball. Now, listen, Hunter Hines is going to hit a bunch of home runs this year. But you know what? If he, if he hits 15 and all of a sudden his average is 100 points higher or more and the RBI production is still there, that's a great year. It's an absolutely amazing year. And so I'm very happy to see Hunter Hines come up here in an RBI situation and he gets a solid single uh, to right field that scores two runs. And now it's 2 nothing, And then, kind of unlucky here, Bryce Chance absolutely hits one on the screws right to the third baseman. They double up Hines on the play. And, yeah, you got to see it through. But um, I was happy to have a lead here. Right, so 2 nothing, going to the second. Nate, 1-2-3 again. He gets the ground out and a pair of strikeouts looking. And you could tell pretty early on that, number one, they couldn't catch him for the fastball, and they'd had real command of what he wanted to do. A lot of soft contact in the first inning and some punches there in the second. All right, bottom of second, really nothing doing for State here. You know, uh, man, Stevens comes up, started last, yesterday in, in, right, in right field. No one Stevens gets a single back up the middle. I thought he hit the baseball well. And this is a guy that missed the fall because he had a hammered bone injury, had to have some surgery. So you don't know as much about him, but that guy's a dude. That guy's a, that guy's a future major leaguer. He's got that kind of potential. If he stays healthy and works hard, he's going to be a name that you know. Big left-handed bat. It makes sense for him to have him in the lineup, especially when they're starting a right-hander. But uh, but that's all we get, the one-out single, and we can't do anything with it. And then Nate goes one, two, three in the third. A fly out to center. And that ball is pretty well struck. Kind of bookended by a couple of strikeouts there. But, guys, Nate faces the minimum through three. He gets through the, the Mount St. Mary's order the first time on 29 pitches. You talk about efficiency, that's what you want. And that's one of the things that's happened to the Bulldog offense at times, too. People go out there and get through, we don't get a hit the first time through the order. And next thing you know, again, we're chasing the game. Now here we've kind of had a reversal of fortune. We have the early lead. We have the guy on the, on the mound that is really competing and pushing this thing forward. All right, bottom of third, we get the leadoff walk from Larry. Again, Amani Larry on base again. Mershon flies out to right field, actually hit that ball really, really well. And then uh, Dakota Jordan gets there on a fielder's choice. They, uh, what's interesting, he hits a hard shot to third. It was one of those catch it or eat it type deals. So he fields it, and he double clutches to second. And then throws in the dirt, pulls the uh, shortstop off the bag there at second. Uh, so everybody's safe. Well, then Hines walks. That loads of bases. 
And again, what's wrong with Hunter Hines, right? Two at-bats here, and he's getting a two RBI single, and then he walks on four pitches. So back-to-back plate appearances, Hunter Hines is on base. And then Bryce Chance comes up there and flies out uh, to right center. And, and that was an interesting point in the ballgame that I thought. If you're Mount St. Mary's, it's not just about managing game one. It's managing the whole weekend. And so right here in this situation, Moore is really struggling. He, he really struggled to find the strike zone in the inning one. Had a better second inning. But in inning three, he's not throwing a ton of strikes. And so you got to think, man, it's a 2 nothing game. How many of my good bullpen arms do I want to use today to try to stay in this game? It would almost have been a better thing for Mount St. Mary's if Bryce Chance puts his ball in a gap somewhere and allows State to get some separation. There's a reason you see a lot of Sunday games turning into church, church league softball scores, and it's because of the fact that people run out of pitching. And the reason they run out of pitching a lot of times is because you force them to use good arms to stay in close games on Fridays or in this case, Thursday. But Bryce gets out, and then Kohler flies out to left center. So we don't get anything out of it. We load the bases, and we don't get anything out of it. We couldn't get the big hit there. That's the thing. You get the big hit there. You've already got some separation in this game. And lo and behold, it tightens up a little bit here in the fourth. This is, this is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The only inning of Nate Dome's outing where they get two guys on base in an inning. First thing we do is we hit the leadoff hitter long with a pitch. Uh, Landwehr gets a sack bunt down, and Kramer singles back up the middle. The run comes in from second. And then uh, Turney hits a comebacker to Nate, and Nate can't get it clean, takes it off chest. Trainers want to come out. He waves him off, stays in the game. And um, we end up getting a pass ball the first one of the year. We had 21 pass balls last year, and, and a lot of them came in the first half of the year. We had our first one yesterday. And then Stripe reaches on a fielder's choice, and uh, they hit the ball to third, and Logan Kohler decides to go home. We get the guy in the rundown. It was interesting, too. Right before, right as we tagged the runner, Kramer, it's like the um, turny, like decides to turn and run back to second. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what happened there. He got back, but uh, then you get to fly out a seeker. But it was a pretty wild sequence there. And some weird things happen. And, again, this is all kind of self-inflicted. You hit a guy, right, give up the sag bunt, and then there's a ground ball back to you. You kind of mishandled a little bit. And how many times last year when we had weird things happen in a ball game did we lose our composure? We don't hear. Nate gets us through this, maintains a lead 2-1. And it really felt like, okay, yeah, this is second time through the order. But, guys, you go back and look here. There's one ball hit out of the infield. And that was a ground ball, kind of a line shot, I guess, back up the middle. But that's it. It wasn't like they're barreling him up. One ball gets out of the infield in the only inning that he had any anxiety at all. All right, bottom of four, State goes one, two, three. Bottom of top five, excuse me. Braxton singles to right field. And next thing you know, Walkley grounds into the 3-6-3. Great job by Hunter Hines here. 
No hesitation on his part. And it wasn't a 3-6-1 double play. He makes the throw, gets back to the bag. I really want my first baseman taking that throw anyway. And then we get a pop-up of Agar. So, again, here we go. Here we go. Braxton pulls that ball to right field. And then what do you know? We get ground ball and a pop-up. And that tells me the hitters are guessing. They're not barreling things up. It's not a lot of fly balls. That's when you know a guy's on his game. That when, when he does give up contact, it's relatively soft contact. And that's what Nate did yesterday. All right, bottom of five. Uh, Larry lines out and then Mershon singles to the pitcher. This is an incredible, incredible, incredible testament to Dave Mershon here. He basically hits a high hopper in between the pitcher and first. And then the pitcher gets it, and, and he's not going to win that foot race to the bag. It's not going to happen. So Mershon, again, we don't get anything out of that, but I think, again, it shows the dimension that David Mershon brings to this lineup, that even a high chopper to the right side is not a routine play. He's not going to give up on the play. Got a little Jake Mangum in him. He is going to run everything out full speed. Lo and behold, what happens? He could have just given up and just kind of jogged it out, but not David Mershon. That's not how he's built, not how he's coached, not how he's wired. Mershon beats it out. And, again, I think that speaks volumes about this team and about him as a player. When you've got a guy like that, given that kind of effort in a one-run ball game, that ignites a dugout. Everybody gets all fired up because they want to reward the effort. And that's what happened here. And, again, we get a couple strikeouts. Jordan and Hines both strike out here. And, uh, again, you'd like to keep the inning going. But uh, we take a lead now to the sixth. Nate settles down again. We're just rolling through this. Top of the order goes one, two, three again. Very efficient inning. The at-bat to Loundware was um, was a little bit elongated. But you get long swinging and you get Kramer to ground out the short on one pitch. And as I mentioned yesterday in postgame to uh, Chris Simonis, Dylan Cup makes everything look so easy, you almost take it for granted. And people forget, like, Lane Forsythe is a great young man, and he gave us two really good years. Last year, I don't know what happened. I don't know if things were just in his head. But last year, every time a ball was hit the short or third, we held our breath. But Cup makes it look so easy, absolutely so easy, that you almost just kind of assume anything hit to that side's an out now. And how comforting is that for your pitchers? I roll up a ground ball, I expect an out. I've done my job, now the guy behind me does his. That's good baseball. All right, bottom of six, State begins to get the, the much-needed separation here. Like in the past, you know, we'd get down in the ballgame. We'd need this inning to kind of get caught up. But instead, State's kind of tacking on to a lead here. Uh, Bryce Chance doubles down the left field line. Off the bat, you knew it was down. It's just a matter if it's going to be fair or foul. And then Logan Kohler singles through the left side. Chance comes around to score. Then there's Noah Stevens again, hitting the baseball hard through the right side. Kohler takes third. Now you get runners on the corners. They bring in Connor Heisak for Stevens, and uh, a lot of people are like, hey, Steve, I don't understand. It's it's defensive, okay? It's a defensive situation. It is. You got Nolan Stevens out there and right. You begin to get some separation in the ball game. You got to start thinking about, hey, how long do I want to leave this guy out here in right field? Uh, he's a guy that could probably play left field for us. It's just like when Aaron Down started in center, right? I mean, how long do you want to leave him out there? Uh, so Heisak pinch runs for Stevens, and then he's still second. Wild pitch here, and uh, Kohler scores to make it 4-1. Johnny Long then uh, gets down the sack bunt, moves Hyzak to third, and I saw some people criticizing this automatically. I'm going to defend the coaching staff right here. I think this is exactly the right call. 
Exactly. Because here, think about this. There's nobody out in the inning, and we have a runner at second. You get that guy to third with less than two outs, he is going to score in a variety of ways. And so here we have a runner at third, and what happens? Dylan Cup gives me a fly out to center, and then Isaac tags and scores. So now all of a sudden, yeah, we've traded basically two outs for the run, but it's a much-needed run. And now all of a sudden, it's a 5-1 ball game. They walk Amani Larry again. Again. Mershon, and I love this kid, man. I do. He's one of my favorite guys on the team. Number one, I love the short game because it puts so much pressure on the defense. And this is a great sight read, and I asked Lamontis in postgame about this. Was this from the bench or is this Mershon on his own? It's absolutely David. The third baseman is, I don't know, 10 feet behind the bag. You get that ball by the pitcher up the third baseline, there is zero chance that guy's going to throw him out. Now, there are probably a couple third basemen in our league that could make that play, but certainly not at Mount St. Mary's. It's a great read by a great player, and it's also great baseball here because, okay, we've already put, you know, three runs on the board in the inning, but you have to keep the pressure on the defense. And so now you got runners at first and third, which enables DJ to come up with two men on, one in scoring position, against a pitcher that's pretty much on the ropes here and allows you to pitch against him in the stretch. Now, it doesn't work out for us. DJ strikes out swinging. was not a good at bat. He takes a couple strikes and then kind of has a give-me-up swing there. I'm not being critical of him. It just He was confused. Give the pitcher some credit here. Uh, McCrary comes in, uh, does a pretty good job here, but I really thought that we were giving him we, – we were being an irritant with all we were doing. You know, we're, we've got runners in motion. You know, we were bunning. We're doing all kind of crazy stuff here. So we're getting in his head a little bit. Give him some credit for kind of coming out of the noise there, making three pitches when he had to. But the bigger issue here is you're providing opportunities for your run producers because of Monty Larry, number one. Is a good eye for the baseball, and Dave Mershon is a guy that uh, extremely high baseball IQ. And so we create a run-scoring situation here. And, again, even though we put three on the board, you can never have too many runs. Disappointed with the strikeout, but very happy to see Amani Larry and Dave Mershon find their way on. Their on-base percentage is absolutely through the roof. All right, top seven, this is your last inning for Nate Dome. He gives up a one-out single and then gets – what does he do? You got a pair of strikeouts, and um, you get a pop-up on a bunt right back to Nate. And that's it. So seven complete for Nate Dome. Absolutely outstanding effort. We'll we'll recap the numbers here shortly. I bought him a seven. They bring in Stam. And kind of, again, one of those crafty left-handers. He he got deep in a couple of counts here, but he gets a one, two, three inning. Top of eight, we bring in Tyler Davis. And TD has kind of been Jekyll and Hyde for us. Sometimes he's been really good. He was really good his first couple of outings. But he is a guy, when he's off, he doesn't miss, he doesn't miss many bats. He opens up with a leadoff walk, and that's the last thing you want. I, and it's like I think about the whole situation with Nate last week, right? Nate comes out of the ball game after uh, six and two-thirds, and we give up a solo shot, right? Black gives up a solo shot. You know, so we've got to be able to kind of get, you know, get the train running again when Nate comes out of the game. It all worked out okay, though. But even this inning, it was, there, there was definitely some um, – some anxiety in the inning. It's a walk, and then Stecco singles, then long singles, and the run scores makes it a 5-2 ball game. He gets Landwire to strike out swinging, 
And then Kramer just hits a little comebacker to the mound. And it's like we turned the wrong way here. And we make this awkward throw to first. Hines goes up and grabs it and gets the foot down on the back. I don't know why this call wasn't reversed. We had a, we had a challenge we thought was silly. They said that it stands. Well, you can see from the two camera angles, number one, that the throw and Hines getting his foot down happened well before the runner gets to first. You see from the second angle that he actually got the, 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 the front corner of the bag. So, again, I ask myself, why do we have replay? But nevertheless, things work out. Because we bring in Brooks Auger, who has been outstanding for Mississippi State. Six appearances this year has not allowed a run. He's allowed a couple of inherited runners, but nobody, as Ani pointed out on the due to fact last night, he has not allowed a single hitter to go from home to home. It's a great job. Six pitches, guys, in the inning. He gets turning to fly out, infield fly, basically. So you get a non-productive out here. Bases are loaded, and you get a pop-up to the shortstop and short left, and then we get a punch out. Strikeout swinging, and uh, that's what happens when you take the field listening to ACDC's shoot for thrills. That's what happens. You inherit a bases loaded situation and you give up nothing because Angus Young said so. So, again, a little bit of anxiety here, but uh, how many times last year will we have imploded right here? We didn't. I think Brooks Auger being back is huge for this program. All right, bottom of eight, <clears throat> Hyzak opens up with a double to center field. Really struck that ball well. Then Johnny Long gets a, a bunt down, <laughs> get runners on the corners. How many times have you seen a, a uh, catcher that could bunt with the proficiency of Johnny Longcat? You would think most catchers could because they're used to seeing the ball, right? I mean, they're, they're able to recognize spin, right? Especially when you get a breaking ball early in a count because if the ball's already trending down, you just got to get the bat on the ball here. But uh, Johnny uh, gets the bunt single. It's, it's so great to see a catcher do that. And then Dylan Kopp, the young freshman, Works it for a walk. Bases are loaded again here. They like to, to make a pitching change here. Uh, they walk Amani Larry again, forces in a run. They walk Mershon, force in a run. Jordan walks, force in a run. And I don't know that DJ would have taken that walk a week ago. We're being a little more patient to play. Well, that's it for Moore. Max Moore comes in and faces three hitters and throws one strike and walks in three runs. So now it's it went from being a 5-2 ball game to an 8-2 ball game. They bring in the Salisbury kid. He gets a ground out to short, and uh, that's really the only play you can make there. The run scores makes it 9-2. Then they walk chance to load the bases again. Kohler with the RBI sack fly makes it a 10-2 ball game. Wild pitch allows a chance to move up to second. And then what do you know? Hyzak doubles to left field and drives in two more runs. Now it's a 12-2 ball game. We let uh, Jackson McKenzie get in and hit. He hit the ball pretty well. The 1-0 county flies out to center field. All right, top of nine, pretty liberal with our substitutions here. And K.K. Clark making his Bulldog debut. Very happy for him. I thought it's a great situation, right? You give him, number one, the margin's 10 runs. But you give him a chance to go out there in a really not a leverage situation just to kind of get some work, right, kind of open the seal a little bit. But also, too, it allows you to eat up an inning with maybe a guy that you weren't counting on to pitch later in the weekend. I love it. I, I thought this was, number one, good for the kid and good for us. And so, and, and unfortunately, we, we get a foul out to left field, and uh, O'Brien runs this thing down. Great catch, man. Great catch. Gets the first out, and you love to see an outfielder out there really putting out for his pitcher. And then we hit Fleming with a pitch. 
And I joke with Mike Neewitt, you've been sitting around for eight innings getting stiff in the cold, and you get out there, hey, hey, Fleming, grab a bat, and you go out there on an 0-1 count and get plunked in the leg. Uh, nevertheless, and then we had a fielding error. Yeah, it's one of those things that happened, right? We had 20, last year we had 20 errors through 10 games. We have eight at this point. And then we get um, back-to-back strikeout swinging. So, yeah, we had a little anxiety and trepidation there in the ninth, but KK pitched through it. And uh, I thought he was really good, and uh, good to see him out there. Let's look at the numbers real quick here. State wins the ball game 12-2. Uh, Nate Dom credited with his second win. He's he's had three starts this year. We've won all three. He had a no decision against Air Force, but um, yeah. Again, you look at this here: 33 at bats for uh, Mount St. Mary's. They get six hits. Six hits. It's tough to win with six hits, especially when the other team has a dozen. 12 hits, 12 runs. Very efficient. Uh, Amani Larry goes 0 for 1 last night, but had four walks. Can you ask anything more than a leadoff hitter than that? Dave Mershine goes 3 for 4, also has a walk. So, guys, that's nine. Nine times top of the order gets on base. When your one and two hitters are getting on base, excuse me, eight times in a ballgame, you're going to score some runs. Dakota scored a couple runs himself, had the RBI on the walk, and Hunter Hines, of course, uh, three RBI in the game. And that's what you expect. Uh, Bryce Chance hit the ball hard just about every time up, and just has one hit to show for it. And, and we hit some Adam balls last night. There were some other balls in some of those shorter innings that we actually barreled up and just happened to hit it right at him. Logan Calder, one for four with a couple of RBIs himself. Nolan Stevens, two for three in his first Bulldog start. Connor Hyzak. Gets in and Chris Simonis jokes after the game, hey, Connor, you're a victim of your own success. You play better when I don't start you. And the kid's like, no, I want to start. But uh, two hits and two plate appearances and uh, scores a couple runs, drives in a couple runs. Those numbers will work. Johnny Long won for three with that bunt single. But, uh, yeah, really, really pleased with our patience at the plate and our ability to get the big hit when we could. Uh, Tommy Moore tagged with the loss. He goes four innings pitch, allows four hits and two runs, three walks, a couple strikeouts. Had a tough outing last week against the Richmond Spiders, too. Uh, again, Nate Dome credit with the win. Seven innings pitch, four hits, one run. It's earned. Eight strikeouts, no walks. Had the one hit by pitch that, of course, opened the inning the one time they scored. Think about that for a second. If we don't hit that guy, it's probably a different conversation. Tyler Davis, again, not great. One-third of an inning, allows two hits a run. Gets a walk and a strikeout. And, uh, of course, the error there that um, – Probably shouldn't have happened. Uh, Brooks Auger, again, two-thirds of an inning on six pitches. So he's good. He'll be able to pitch tomorrow if we need him. And then K.K. Clark goes an inning. No hits, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts. Did have the one hit by pitch. Uh, Pretty excited about K.K. Clark. And, again, he's a freshman this year, so we're getting to kind of work through this thing. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll see how things go. Cal Steven, of course, going to be your starter tomorrow. Uh, I expect that really a bounce-back performance from him. I really do. I think this is a situation where, you know, last week maybe we're being too competitive, but he just couldn't hit his spots last week. You know, the week before, he was probably better than I've seen him through the fall and the early spring. And then on last Saturday, I think that he was a guy that that's probably among the worst I've seen him. He he did have uh, one outing in the spring where he got hit a little bit, but it was kind of like that, a single here, you know. That's just kind of how things go. Now, looking at, um, you know, pitching matchups for tomorrow, 
we expect to see a pair of lefties. Uh, and I think, you know, until we prove we can hit them, that's what we're going to see. And everybody wants left-handed pitchers. That's just kind of how it all works, right? Everybody wants them because there's not as many of those guys. But, uh, yeah, we're going to see we're going to see some uh, some lefties. Now, that's uh, Kyle Spies and uh, Brendan Yegish. Yegish is expected to go in game one tomorrow and Spies in game two. Now, they're two of their better pitchers. Batting average against for Spies is 188. Batting average for Yegish is 200. Now, you look at the quality competition they played and say, well, you know, I don't know. As I told you guys on Wednesday's show, this is a by-committee approach. Both of these guys are averaging right at four innings per start. And some of that's got to do with being early in the year. But uh, I don't look for these guys to work deep in ball games. Uh, I, I don't. Spies is a guy that uh, has also worked some in relief. But uh, they'll just kind of piece this thing together. And that's the thing you start thinking about, having to play two tomorrow. Uh, you'd like to be able to get some extension and save your bullpen arms. And State is in really good shape uh, for the bullpen uh, for the doubleheader tomorrow. But, again, expect to see a couple left-handers. And, uh, you know, looking at their numbers, kind of what last night's game meant to them. You know, we talked about kind of where they were. You know, uh, Landware now down at 261. Tower Long still kind of where he was at 324. Uh, but this is a team that's really not much of an offensive threat. And of the teams that we played so far, this is the worst one. There's not any question about it. Now, one of the things I wanted to touch on, too, and I made this comment on Gene's page. I know we're running a little bit long here in our first segment. But, uh, you know, everybody talks about, well, LSU's going to come in here and kill us. And you know what? They might. They, they might. But one of the things that I want to point out is uh, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they're always like, well, there's quality competition. You know, uh, we haven't played anybody. We haven't played anybody. Have you, have you looked at LSU? I mean, have you looked to see who they've played? I don't know that you have. And uh, I, I bring that up because I think it's important to understand there's not a lot of teams that play a lot of competition. Now, LSU will play Texas here in just a little bit. I'm eager to watch that game. LSU's non-conference schedule is worse than ours. They've only played one team with a winning record, and that's Central Arkansas. And they're 5-4. and four. You know, Stony Brook's the best team they've played. they got a losing record. They've been to Omaha one time. And so this is kind of what happens. Uh, unless you get invited to one of these early season tournaments, nobody's going to play any big-time non-conference competition. It just doesn't work out that way. I mean, you know, we, we had Oregon come in here a few years ago. You know, we had uh, Long Beach State come in, and Long Beach State hadn't been what they have been. Uh, but by and large, especially when you look at our roster and our, our lack of experience, you know, we needed a non-conference schedule that uh, – you know, kind of set itself it was time to win. Now, we're probably a couple games behind where we should be. Let's just kind of call it for what it is. I mean, you blow that Saturday game against Air Force, and then you uh, blow the Wednesday game against Austin P. And I don't know if you've checked the numbers, Austin P. 8-1 right now. Uh, but you, you run through all this, and you begin to realize, too, that, hey, you know, our, our best and or worst baseball lays ahead of us. We're going to be judged on how we play in SEC play. You start working through this stuff and you begin to kind of realize that, hey, we got a couple weeks of baseball left before we get into SEC play. And some of the guys right now that are pitching that are having difficulty throwing strikes, those are guys you're not going to see in SEC weekends. You may see them midweek, but it's not like with a game on the line we're going to go out there with a guy that hadn't been able to get it done. It's just not how things work. 
But, uh, you know, good win last night. That was a good team win for State. We'd like to see us play a little bit cleaner defensively, clean up a couple of errors there. But I uh, thought we were patient at the plate. And uh, we swang the bats better last night than we have at any point this year. So, again, we come back on Monday. We'll recap the doubleheader. And, yes, I expect State to take both games. I'll be disappointed if we don't. All right, time for today's top ten list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is a mortgage professional. If you have mortgage needs, and maybe you don't realize you do, maybe you've thought, you know what, it's just not for me, Steve. I'd love to buy a house or a condo or whatever, double-wide trailer. I don't know your needs. But you may just kind of say, you know what, Steve, I'm just kind of a renter. I'm just a renter. You know, I'm never going to have anything. Well, yeah, I'll tell you what. Blair is probably better equipped to help you become a homeowner than anybody else. A lot of people make that claim. Blair's got 23 years of experience in back-to-back-to-back top 1% close ratios in the country. Nobody stays in any industry for 20-plus years by accident. It's true. So Blair's my friend, your friend. He's our collective friend in the mortgage industry. So maybe you're thinking about a game day condo. Maybe you're thinking about buying a house for the first time. Let me encourage you. Rather than just kind of shooting in the dark here hoping to get lucky, give Blair a call or text today. 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. We've had several Barnyard listeners that have closed loans of Blair. Many of them under some difficult circumstances. And that's why it pays to have a professional, right? Because you know what happens? It's like, well, we got to buy a house. What do we do? What do we do? Rather than depend on somebody else, let's go ahead and call Blair, get pre-qualified. So you don't save your real estate agent's time. You don't waste your own time. And then you're out looking at homes in your price range. Things that you know that you can get closed without, without you know, really putting yourself in a, a negative situation. It shouldn't be that difficult. So it's good to have somebody to hold your hand through a very complicated process. Again, that's Blair Chandler at CloseTheBlair.com. All right, today's top 10 list got uh, somebody hit us up on the request line. Uh, I won't mention the name. I said, hey, Steve, I love the Steve Lukather list. And I did, too. It was a lot of fun. And matter of fact, our play baller DC came back and said, hey, Steve, appreciate the shout out. Well, I appreciate the idea. Had somebody else hit me up and said, hey, I love those old radio rock bands, those rock radio groups. You know, Foreigner, Toto, Journey. Love all those early 80s bands, really before it got to be metal. Kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. Said, you know, Steve, I I didn't really like the glam scene. I I did. I did. But said, you know, it brings back my high school years to hear these bands. And uh, said, I was a huge Journey fan. And I love Steve Perry's solo stuff, too. Do you think maybe we could do a Steve Perry non-Journey list? You've come to the right place. Because, yes, we can do that. Because I also, too, am a Steve Perry fan. Now, I did not include Don't Fight It. We've done, well, That's been on the show a couple times already, and I shared that with my kids today. I said, hey, this was really popular. You know the guy from Footloose that sang Footloose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the guy that sang, uh, you know, Don't Stop Believing? Yeah. Well, they did a song together back in 82 that was a huge hit called Don't Fight It. And it was really before their careers really took off. Of course, Kenny Loggins had had some hits with Loggins and Messina. And, of course, Journey had had a few hits. But things are really about to happen. And that song, I think, you know, two greats kind of getting together and delivering us a great track. So that's not on our list today. But I wanted to give a thumbs up. Anytime we can share that song, it's a great thing. So here is 
Some Steve Perry solo hits, your top 10. Steve Perry was once called The Voice by John Bon Jovi. And what a great compliment that is. You know, John Bon Jovi, of course, you got it saying the soundtrack of our youth. Giving a shout out to Steve Perry. And I, I read some of these lists and it goes, oh, well, Rolling Stone said Steve Perry's a 78th top singer of all time. Uh, I reject that list on principle. Steve Perry, one of the best pure vocalists of my lifetime of the rock and roll side. I mean, just go listen to what he does on Faithfully, right? I mean, it's just amazing. But here we go. Steve Perry's solo tracks ranked 10 through 1. From the Greatest Hits album, and this is one of those bonus tracks. He did a great a Greatest Hits album, and he released some songs, some new singles, so it wasn't just a regurgitation of the old stuff. It's When You're In Love for the First Time off the Greatest Hits album. Really like that one, and you can tell Steve, you know, he's... He, kind of getting to the end of his musical career. You know, his voice is pretty much shot now. Really through no fault of his own. Uh, number nine from the album Traces, We're Still Here. And it's that's a song really about longevity in a relationship. We, you know, we've been through this and been through that, but we're still together. And how many times in life can you say that? I mean, a lot of times, you know, listen, let's be honest about it. There are a lot of people, the, surf, the first sign of adversity, they run from you. And a lot of times people are just scared to commit, but there are other people, too, that just aren't worth the effort. It's true. I always say that, you know, the key to marriage is another handful. Number one, find somebody you can be faithful to, right? Number two, find somebody that makes you a better person, makes you aspire to be better than you are today. Something my dad told me years ago, people always say, well, we're getting divorced because so-and-so changed. It's not that they changed. It's they failed to change. You have to change when you have to consider another person's life. You do. Uh, but more importantly, too, it's, you know, it's about finding that person that through the ups and downs can put up with your nonsense. And, and listen, if you're an abuser, I'll bet you're off. But you know what I mean. I mean, just the human condition sometimes requires us to be a little bit difficult, right? You got to have somebody that's willing to hang in there with you. And I think that's what we're still here is really about. Great track. And maybe one you don't know. Number eight, also from the Traces album. And there is an acoustic version of this album. And then there is like the rock radio version. And really the rock radio version is really more adult contemporary. It's a little more tuned down. There's not, you know, the big Neil Sean guitar solos and things like that. But um, it's a track called Noah Racing. I think you'll really like that one too. That's the thing you think about your memories and things like that. I mean, it's like, you know, how it is you break up with somebody and it's like they're dead to you or whatever, you know. But uh, you can't really erase the impact they have on your life, even if it's a person that teaches you what you don't want, right? That, that's almost as beneficial as learning what you want in life, as learning what you don't want in life. All right, number seven, going back to Street Talk, which was the uh, debut solo album for Steve Perry. We got uh, three tracks from that album on this list, <clears throat> and it's a She's Mine. Great, great, great relationship song, very relatable it's one of those things, too. There's so many things you go through in life, right? But it's so great to have somebody that you can claim as yours. And not really ownership of that person, but partnership with that person. This person is going to be with me. They're going to work alongside with me. We're going to have shared dreams and goals and things of that nature. Uh, and so that's how I feel. I don't know how you feel. All right, number six. Great comeback album for Steve Perry, For the Love of Strange Medicine. I absolutely loved it. I love the long hair, too, Steve. You know, he had the mullet like during the, uh, the journey, peak years. And then he comes back in the 90s with this great album. 
and he's got this flowing mane. And I'm like, you know what? Hey, good for you, Steve. Big, big fan of that. Great track, though, called Missing You from uh, The Love of Strange Medicine. That's your number six track today. All right, from the Greatest Hits album, it's number five, I Stand Alone. Absolutely dig this one, too. And again, it's, it's nice to kind of get some of these rarities out. There's a lot of bands out there I wish would do that. It's like, well, it's unfinished. Yeah, well, you're not going to finish it. Just put it out here for us. Let us enjoy it and think about what might have been. But I Stand Alone's a great one. Number four, in a song that has been featured on American Idol more than once, it's Foolish Heart. And a lot of people know this one, and a lot of people think it's a Journey song because Steve sings it, but no, it comes from the Street Talk album. From the Greatest Hits album, and I think arguably the best song later in the Steve Perry catalog. It's Once in a Lifetime Girl. It's got a little more of an edge than some of the other things do on that Greatest Hits album that you're maybe unfamiliar with. But again, a great relationship, relatable song. And I trust that you find that once-in-a-lifetime person. Number two, the first single off For the Love of Strange Medicine. And I love the intro on this. I, I think this is Steve Perry really at his best. I really do. I, I couldn't put this number one because there is an obvious number one, I think, in all of our minds. But this is that song, when he came back, it was like, oh my gosh, Steve Perry is back. It sounded so great. It was just like quintessential journey with a little more of an edge. But it's got a great intro in the beginning. And uh, there's this little piece there where it's kind of acapella in many respects. And you, you hear the purity in Steve Perry's voice. But it's You Better Wait. Love that song. Absolutely love it. But number one, you guys know what it is before I say it. And they didn't stick together, but it's O'Sherry. Because our share, O'Sherry, our love holds on. It turns out it didn't. They ultimately did get divorced. But an interesting story about Steve Perry that I'll share with you that I read years ago. Steve Perry had gone to um, one of these uh, Blackbird camps or Bluebird camps. I can't remember what it's called. My friend Bo Myrick had played at Mississippi State, went to one of them too, and actually met his wife, Joan, there. Pretty incredible. And uh, we did lose Bo several years ago, and it still saddens me. And uh, I got to know Bo after he left Mississippi State and uh, a few years back was able to share some stories with his daughter that looks exactly like him. And uh, Dana and I got to know Bo and Joan you know, really good. And we all lived in Hattiesburg. And, man, I love Bo Myrick. I absolutely did. And um, <clears throat> this got me thinking about all that today, you know, thinking about Steve Perry going to this cancer thing. When Steve Perry had cancer, he goes to this camp. And it was kind of like the situation with Bo and Joan. You know, Bo obviously at that point thought he didn't have much time to live. And he, and he meets Joan. They fall in love. And, and then he goes into remission. They end up having, some, having several years together. Uh, and ultimately, we did lose Bo. And so if you guys remember him playing tight end at Mississippi State, um, an amazing guy. An amazing guy. Really was. And uh, what's interesting, too, is like after he left Mississippi State, he um, – you know, got into uh, like being, you know, bodyguard and being like a bouncer and that sort of stuff. And I, I want to say that he was in um, in the Stone Cold Steve Austin movie. I can't remember the name of it. He was in some, he's been in a couple movies like as an extra and things like that. You know, big foreboding figure like Bo. And uh, he actually, believe it or not, was uh, one time married to the penthouse pet of the year. True story. And then she ended up marrying Vinnie Pazienza, the boxer. And uh, Bo and Vinny actually had a good relationship. And uh, that's probably more than you signed on here today. But uh, anyway, 
So you have this camp, and again, I can't remember if it's Blackbird or Bluebird camp, but it's anyway, it's a uh, support camp for people that, that have terminal cancer. And Steve Perry went to this camp, and he met this lady and fell in love with her. <clears throat> and, uh, of course, she was terminal. And um, next thing you know, he marries her and uh, moves her into his house and loves her until the end and paid for all of her medical expenses and things like that so she could have some quality of life in her final days. And if that doesn't tell you the kind of person that Steve Perry is, I don't know what does. This guy's a mega superstar in rock music, and then um, here's a lady that he loves and one of the loves of his life. And uh, he did all he could to comfort her. And so and for that reason, not just beyond Steve Perry's amazing talent, but the fact that the character of this person and then the joy of his heart, that he was able to give so much of himself to someone else that he knew was a short-term relationship, but he wanted her to have some happiness before she passed away. I think that speaks volumes about the kind of person that Steve Perry is. So forget about all the tabloid stuff and all the arguments with Journey over the years about rights and royalties and things like that. But this is a situation here where Steve Perry could, you know, could pretty much date anybody he wanted to. And uh, he followed his heart and then gave it to this woman that he knew would die prematurely and still loved her until the day she died. It's an amazing story. You can find it online, I'm sure, but uh, pretty special stuff. And uh, I like to be able to support people like that whenever we can. So uh, happy to do the list. And again, we got this and said, hey, I don't need my name mentioned. That's cool too. Uh, but we do appreciate the suggestion. And uh, I think it's been a good run. Like if you're an 80s rock fan, maybe not an 80s metal fan, if you're an 80s rock fan, I think it's been a good week for you. Uh, so if you have ideas for a top 10 list, reach out and let us know. Best way to do that is to hit up Roy Samanti, my friend, on Twitter at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. Yeah. And you can find our great list also on Spotify on that same handle. You can send them to me on social media. I'll do my best. I don't always see my notifications. That's not a humble brag. I'm just trying to explain it. If I don't get back to you, I may not have seen it. I get busy, as you guys know, but uh, I never would, would dish you purposely, for sure. But thanks, as always, for your support of the Top 10 list. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. If you don't know Campus Bookmart well, then shame on you, right? And I've got some Campus Bookmart employees coming to float with us. Yeah. Keeping it the fam, right? But we're just supporting each other, man. I love Campus Bookmart. The, the people that run that place, man, are like family to me. I love it. I haven't been in there in a while. I need to get in there. Even if it's not to buy anything. I mean, it's, I always end up buying something because there's always something that catches my eye. And you will too, right? If you're looking for Mississippi State merchandise, don't force the issue. Go somewhere that's going to have exactly what you want and things that you're going to love, whether you're decorating your home, your, your game day condo, or outfitting your wardrobe, buying something for your pet, your office, or a gift. Great housewarming gifts there, too. It's not just an apparel shop. A lot of places out there sell Mississippi State t-shirts. Kathy Brown keeps that place outfitted with all kind of wonderful Mississippi State merchandise. If you can't make it to town to see their smiling faces, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmark.net. And by being a lawyer, Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than $75, absolutely incomplete. All right. I hate talking about this kind of stuff, but um, our stretch of discontent with women's basketball continues. And uh, we've now lost five games in a row. And uh, mentioned on Wednesday that I thought we would have our hands full at Auburn, and we did. 
and it's just one of those things. I, I wish we could snap out of it. Something has to change. We've got to start doing something different. We had won, won five games in a row. We ascended to second place in the Southeastern Conference. We've blown all that. We're still projected to make the tournament. It's one of the last four in. We probably need to win a game in the SEC tournament now. You got Missouri coming in for senior day, but uh, hey, this was not a good one. We're 20-10 and 10 overall at 7-8 in the Southeastern Conference. Auburn 18-10 and 10 and 7-8 in the conference. But uh, you know, Johnny Harris gets a measure of revenge against Mississippi State. It's ironic, though, the guy that didn't hire is now her boss at Auburn. But uh, all that I understood, guys, we didn't win a single quarter in this game. Not a single one. We're down seven after one, down nine after two, you know, still nine after three. And then in the fourth quarter, again, we just run out of juice. And this has become a consistent theme with us here as of late, that the fourth quarter, we just don't have enough depth. And uh, outscored by eight and a quarter, we end up losing 77 to 60. It was closing time at Auburn, and uh, we didn't answer last call. Jessica Carter leads away for the Bulldogs with 16 points. Six of 16 from the field. Got to get a better percentage there. Four of seven from the line. Seven rebounds. Also had four personal fouls. Three turnovers. Uh, Jerkayla Jordan, double-double for her. Ten rebounds, 12 points. 28 minutes of action. Uh, State was abysmal from the three-point line. Four of 16. Jerkayla 0 for 5. Darian Rogers is kind of her thing. She connects on three of six from beyond the arc. Accounts for all nine of her points. Debrecia Poe. Uh, just five points for her. And that's the thing. When we start looking at these numbers, you know, we've got to have a consistent third co- score, and we just didn't have it. Aaron Barnum, 31 minutes, just eight, eight points for her. Uh, we were pretty good at the free throw line, 18 of 23. The men should take note. But we pulled down 43 rebounds, so we actually out-rebound Auburn. But it's like it's so crazy to look at the fact that um, they had 18 offensive rebounds. 18. That's a ton of second-chance opportunities for, for them. We get 12 second-chance points. Auburn gets 19. They get 15 on the break. We get four. We get 11 off the bench. They get 23. So in many respects, they beat us in every aspect of the game. They even beat us on points in the paint, 30 to 28. Points off turnovers, 25 for them, seven for us. You turn the ball over, you give up offensive rebounding, you're going to get beat, especially on the SEC road, and the Bulldogs do. Not at all what we expected to be. Really felt like we were playing our best basketball. We were in the first part of February. We haven't been down the stretch and now into the month of March. Uh, This is when it matters, and we're not getting it done. Let's just kind of call it for what it is. Now, I'm a big Sam Purcell fan. I saw some commentary on social media last night that he he didn't do the post-game radio interview with with Jason Crowder after the game. I'm not a fan of that. I think win or lose, you got to go out there and face some music. I understand. You want to get back and talk to your team. I get it. But uh, not a fan of that. I don't know what happened. Maybe I don't know. Maybe send me to go to the restroom. Who knows? But the reality of it is, is that is something that is expected. And I think it's something, uh, you know, within our program, you've got to be able to go out there and answer questions and deal with that. A lot of people want to hear from you, good, bad, or indifferent. Not in any way am I soured on Sam Purcell. Just not a big fan of that decision. And, again, I don't know all the details behind it. And maybe when he got the postgame, he explained. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that, uh, guys, we're not playing well. Uh, we're, we're really not playing well. And that's one of the things you look at and you begin to ask yourself, you know, is this season going to live up to expectations? Well, it's ultimately going to be judged what we do in the tournament, assuming we make it. We got Missouri on Sunday, senior day. Uh, need a good crowd for that. You don't have baseball 
right? So you can come on out. You know, that's going to be the only game in town, 2 p.m., if some of these ladies playing their last ball games ever at Mississippi State. Uh, we hope, because we don't want to be in the NIT. Uh, they're going to need your support. And uh, we're in a situation now where the standings don't even matter. You know, they just don't. we got to go win this game and snap the losing streak, and then we'll see where we're seated and uh, go figure it out from there. But uh, not good. Not good. And you start looking around the league here, you know, the traffic has cleared, and uh, we have been left behind. We are in the rearview mirror. Yeah, we're still right there in the middle of the pack. But I think in many respects, we kind of see this as a season with unfilled expectations, especially here as of late. But, you know, Sam's got to figure it out. Very talented guy. Got loves women's basketball, and we hope that they will. Of course, Missouri is 2-13 in the conference and 11-17 overall. They've lost 10 games in a row. We have to win that game, period. Have to win that game. And, again, what else happens around the conference really doesn't matter. I mean, we're jockeying for position here. Uh, we're going to play pretty early in the tournament. And uh, we'll look forward to, to the tournament. We've got to win some games. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. We have to win some games. Probably got to win this weekend and maybe win a game in a tournament just to feel good about being in the tournament. We can't go to go to, go to the tournament and go – 0-1. Can't do it. Can't do it. That, that, you can't leave it in the hands of the committee. You've got to remove all doubt here, for sure. All right, uh, on the men's side of things, big ball game tomorrow. You know, statement-type game, quad one opportunity on the road in a very hostile environment. We've got to go to Auburn and play down there. And uh, we beat them earlier this year, 86-82, a game that we didn't expect to play well. Excuse me. Excuse me. 64-58. Excuse me, I was reading the wrong line. We won that ball game, and, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't expect us to really be able to compete. Now, we were at home, and we made them play our style of basketball. I suspect that they're going to want to get out and run a little bit. But offensively, we are a much different team than we were back then. And again, you know, we have, last few ball games have scored 80-plus points per game. Uh, but looking at Auburn here, and it's hard to believe we got three games left in a regular season. Three. Next week, of course, we're at AM in the midweek and then uh, host South Carolina for, for Senior Day. And, again, a lot of Bulldogs uh, will be moving on uh, at season's end. But uh, since we have played Auburn, it's been kind of a mixed bag, I guess you could say at times. This is a very, very talented Tiger team. And if we go out there and uh, get down early, it could be a difficult day. But the way that we have played, regardless of circumstance and regardless of competition, I expect us to show up and compete tomorrow. Auburn's now 21-7, and 10-5 in a conference, and um, just kind of getting caught up. I know a lot of times we don't, we don't pay attention to our peers until we get ready to play them, right? I think we all kind of see it that way. But um, since we have played Auburn way back on January 27th, uh, they drilled Vanderbilt. They drilled Ole Miss in Oxford. They drilled Alabama. Really got going after that. And the next thing you know, they head to Florida and just really didn't show up and got beat by 16. Uh, by a good Florida team, but not a great team. And South Carolina rolls into Auburn. Everybody's all excited about South Carolina. But, hey, it's a big marquee win here. If South Carolina can go into Auburn and beat a top-10 ranked Auburn team, um, you know, hey, you got a chance. Or maybe top 15 at the time. Auburn beat them by 40. 40. 
And then they get over the hump and you start thinking, okay, things are great. And then Kentucky goes in there and gets them by 11. Kentucky goes to Auburn and beats them. And I think that's probably really kind of the angst with this Auburn team is just every time they get a win and then they get an opportunity for another quality win against a team that is ranked ahead of them or around them, they haven't had the ability to come through there. Uh, they lose Wednesday in Knoxville to Tennessee. No shame there. This Tennessee team is outstanding. Also a team that Mississippi State has beat. And you begin to wonder now, yes, Auburn will be at home. But when you begin to think about, hey, the Tigers are not going to be where they hope to be. And I think the Tennessee win kind of solidifies that. So it's a two, it's a, I guess, 3 p.m. Is that right? 3 p.m.? 3 p.m. tip, according to the Auburn website. It's going to be on ESPN2 and ESPNU. We'd encourage you, if you're in the area, to go. Uh, but, you know, kind of looking at where things stand right now on the men's side of things. Despite the fact we lost to Kentucky, we're still right there in the thick of things. Everybody sees it. Everybody feels it. We're still, you know, a little bit angsty over that loss. But when you begin to think about this thing with Auburn now, Auburn not officially out of the race to win the SEC, but losing to Tennessee in many respects makes it that much more difficult, right? You got three games left, you're two games back. And you're going to need Tennessee to help you a little bit, or Alabama. Tennessee and Alabama are tied at 12-3 and three in the league. And then South Carolina, 11-4. and four. They're going to be here next weekend. Then there's Auburn, Florida, Kentucky, all bunched up together at 10-5. and five. And then just behind them, Mississippi State. We're two games behind those, those guys. As you start thinking about seeding for the SEC tournament, you know, we're in a situation now where we've got three games left to play. And uh, we got to find a way to win a couple. And that's the thing I began to think about. Are we capable of beating Auburn? Yes. Do I expect it tomorrow? No. Auburn's 13-1 and at home. And we hadn't been a great road team. We looked great last weekend against LSU. I expect us to come out and compete, but I'll be surprised if we win. And, again, I would have been surprised if we beat them at home, and we did. I'd love to be wrong about this. I'm really thinking next week is our week. I think we're capable of winning at A&M. And I think we all see it. When we went to Columbia, South Carolina to open the SEC slate, we gave that game away. We did. And I think we'd love to have them back. And I think, again, that's a way to kind of cap the regular season. You finish up with two wins late, a road win against A&M that's 6-9 in the conference. They're 15-13. and 13. We should be favored in that game. And then, of course, South Carolina coming here. I think it's a great way for us to end the slate with a team that we probably should have beaten. I think we all felt the way at the time. I think we feel that way now. They're going to be playing for something. They're trying to stay in the SEC race. They're a game out of first place. So Lamont Paris and those guys are going to, you know, what kind of feeling do they have when they get here, right? So that's important to understand too. But uh, I like our chances next week, not so much on Saturday. We'll be pulling for the Bulldogs always. But uh, it's going to take a great effort for us uh, to go out there and win that game tomorrow. And so I won't be disappointed if we lose. I will be disappointed if we get blown out. But no matter what happens tomorrow, we still have, I think, two winnable games uh, to close out the season. Of course, a win over South Carolina would be huge. They're 23-5 and five overall. But, again, I, thought, I like the matchup. You know, we got to do a better job with Michi. But I think that we have an opportunity to get both games next week. That's how I feel.
All right, final segment of the show brought to you by the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the Stark Vegas Clubhouse, and shame on you, just Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse and familiarize yourself with the amenities of that great facility. It's an amazing place. Tucked away, just five minutes away from the Mississippi State campus. You don't have a lot of neighbors. Not that we want you throwing a rager out there, but you know, it's quiet. You got some privacy. It's the renovated clubhouse at the old country club. Very easy to find. Very conveniently located. So whether you're bringing a work group to town, and I had some friends do that a few weeks back, or maybe you're, you're bringing your family in for a ball game weekend, or maybe you're saying, you know what, Steve, we're going to just take a few days off work, and we're going to go to men's basketball, we're going to go to baseball, we're going to be around for all this stuff. We're just going to make it a Mississippi State week, and we're going to spend some time in Starville because every time we come, it's game day, and our favorite restaurants are packed. It's tough to get in and out and shop, and maybe you just want to come enjoy Starkville during a week. So maybe take a bit of a mini vacation. Let the Stark Vegas Clubhouse put you up. Now, when you Google them, their Facebook page is going to come up. You're going to see all these you know, great pictures of the amenities. I love that back porch area. I could sit out there and just kind of watch the sunset and just kind of enjoy nature. There's a great fire pit out there. There's a lot of reasons just you know, to go relax, right? And it's just good to have everybody together. So rather than you know, go rent five hotel rooms, whether you're, it's a work crew or a family crew, wouldn't it be great to have everybody under one roof? And Grandma can make those cinnamon rolls that next morning for breakfast and have some orange juice. It just, it just sounds amazing. I may go to Walmart after this, go get some orange juice and cinnamon rolls myself, make them for myself tomorrow. But look no further than the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Now, when you Google, you're going to have the option to book through Airbnb, VRBL. If you want to do that, great. However, if you book through the Evolve website, I can save you some money. Yeah, promo code BSR10 gets you 10% off your stay through the Evolve website. Familiarize yourself. You'll be glad you did. The Stark Vegas Clubhouse, the best place to stay when you're bringing a large group uh, to Starkville. All right, let's take a look at the uh, the baseball weekend in our last few minutes, and uh, you know we'll get ready to get out of here. But um, SEC weekend, it's gonna be good. You know, I, I think we all see it kind of for what it is. You know, nobody's playing great competition right now, with rare exception. And again, I'm ready to get out here and watch uh, watch LSU in Texas. I don't know how you see it. I, I, I like watching those games. I do. Now, you know, we got underway last night. Of course, uh, February 29th, we were the only team in action. Uh, last night, but you back up to uh, into Wednesday. Ole Miss took care of Missouri State. Vanderbilt beat Evansville, who will be our guest next weekend. Michigan State went in there and pounded Georgia 19-6. Uh, Florida knocks off Bethune-Cookman 9-2, and LSU gets Rice 16-4. And one thing that I pointed out on Gene's page, Matt Supporter, you're right, LSU hadn't played anybody either. They're ranked number three in the country. We've got to be up. They may come in here and skull drag us. They may. But they haven't played anybody. They will tonight. They certainly will tonight with Texas. All right, so uh, a few games already final as everybody tried to kind of get ahead of the weather today. Uh, Kentucky, 7-4 winners over Lipscomb. Lipscomb picked to win the Atlantic Sun. Uh, So this is a solid mid-major win for Kentucky. Arkansas gets Murray State, 5-1, the Racers. Tennessee, 11-1 winners over Bowling Green. Vanderbilt in the eighth now leads UL Lafayette six to three. Georgia Tech and Georgia are tied at one. Northern Kentucky up on Missouri in the first. We expect that score to change three nothing now. Indiana 
Number 20th ranked Indiana at number 16 Alabama. Indiana with early lead there. 3-0 Florida, 1-0 over Miami. Arizona State and A&M is in delay. And then Clemson and South Carolina has been postponed. It'll be a doubleheader tomorrow. Iowa is at Ole Miss. That'll be awfully interesting. And I'm being nice when I say that. I think Iowa pitching may be a little bit too much for Ole Miss. But, you know, in that ballpark, Ole Miss is really good at home. So we'll see how things go. And then at 7 p.m. tonight on the Longhorn Network, it's Texas at LSU. Eager to see that top 15 matchup. UConn's at Auburn. It's been postponed uh, till tomorrow. Uh, be a doubleheader tomorrow. So full day. And, of course, Vanderbilt's down there at a little tournament. They'll take on Houston and uh, – Pretty much everybody else is, um, I guess, A&M against USC. But everybody else pretty much what you'd expect. Arizona's against Alabama. Louisiana plays LSU. Uh, so it's always nice to have these uh, interconference round-robin type deals where everybody gets to play a quality opponent. But this weekend will be, will be interesting. I think when you begin to kind of look around, I don't know that we know much about any of these teams just yet, unless you're losing a lot, you know. Uh, Missouri is easily the worst team in, in the conference from a talent standpoint. Keurig Jackson, I think, will get them going. And then State and Ole Miss right there at 6-4. and four. You know, State needs to win both of these games this weekend. I think Ole Miss has their hands full. Uh, and, again, I still think Arkansas is going to win this thing. Uh, I really do. A lot of people are like, oh, well, LSU, LSU, when you get them out of their ballpark, a different club. And Alabama's 9-0. and A lot of people are like, hey, you know what? They're rolling. And you look at the non-conference schedule, it hasn't been very good. This is a real test for them this weekend. Uh, but you look at numbers and everything is really gaudy right now. And a lot of it's because we had none of these teams collectively have played anybody. It's true. So we're not going to have a really good sense of who any of these teams are until about three weeks into the conference season. And that starts for us here in a couple weeks. But um, I'm excited to get back at the ballpark tomorrow again. Noon start for the doubleheader. Uh, so please come out, check us out, be a part of that. Many of you already have, have plans to be in Starkville this weekend. You're going to have Sunday free. Rather than hustle back home, uh, come float with us over a true rest of Starkville. You'll be glad you did. I can't – I don't have to sell you anything. That's got to get you in the pod once, and it kind of sells itself. You're going to feel like I did. If you hadn't done so, go to winthebottomfalls.com, and uh, you can order When the Bottom Falls, my newest book, uh, to go along with all my sports titles. That's uh, Flim Flam, Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs, and Dogpile. All available there. So When the Bottom Falls, obviously, is a memoir about my journey to recovery and how I've been able to stay clean and sober 32 years. But it's not just a book about that, right? It's not a depressive book, even there's some very, uh, there's some dark times that are illustrated in that book. But also, it's the, it's the worst of times and the best of times. So I'd encourage you to read that, whether you just uh, need something to read that maybe is a bit inspirational, or maybe you know somebody that is struggling with chemical dependency, or a person that's in recovery that maybe needs some encouragement. That's really what it's about, is sharing some experience, strength, and hope. And so that's the reason I wrote that book. And of course, I'm already uh, working on the uh, Duty Noble book. As a matter of fact, we'll uh, do some editing tonight. Then on Sunday, we'll write chapter four. I'm trying to basically do a chapter a week and uh, kind of get this thing done by the end of May. Uh, so we've got the month of June to kind of finish the book out, finish all of our fact-checking and editing, then we'll push it off to be print. Hopefully, we'll have it out for you by late August, early September. That's the plan. Things always change. But uh, I'm excited about the book. Of course, we've already released the cover. But uh, I am now in possession of Dirty Noble's college transcript. And did you think about that for a second, right? Did you ever think that'd be possible? Yeah, it's true. I have that, so we'll add some details, you know, to chapter two based off that. 
Uh, but it's pretty remarkable, and I get messages regularly from people, and especially people from the Noble family that have thanked me for my interest in this. And uh, as Mitzi Bank Steele has said, it means so much to them that it means so much to me. And I begin, I'll just tell you, every book that I've written, I've fallen in love with. I have. Uh, when I wrote Flim Flam, of course, it was my first one, so there's always a little anxiety. I mean, am I capable of doing this, right? I mean, I know how to write. I know how to write an article. I know how to write a good story. But, you know, was I capable of writing a book? And, of course, uh, it worked out really well. It changed my life, right? And, uh, but this one's different. This one's a lot different. Like, I have such respect for Mississippi State Athletics, and not just where we are today, but where we've come from. And I think it's important, while I have the platform, to be able to tell those great stories before they're gone. Now, many of these Duty Noble stories are dead and gone. And so we're kind of having to piece things together at times. This cousin knows this, and this neighbor knew this. And there's a lot of things out there. And you can gather some things, some old newspaper clippings and things like that. I heard today from Boo Ferris's daughter, and uh, I'm going to include some things from, from Boo in the book. All of that stuff is an important part of the Mississippi State experience. But uh, I, I submit to you, there may never be a more influential person in Mississippi State athletics history than Duty Noble. I mean, there's a reason we named the baseball stadium after him. And, and many of you probably wonder why. Why did we do that? And that's what really the purpose of the book is, to kind of highlight his accomplishments and his contributions to Mississippi State. Of course, he joined Mississippi A&M College as a young teenager, and uh, came here to be a farmer and ended up being the most decorated student athlete in the history of the great Mississippi State. And it has been my honor to gather this information for you. And every time I write one of these chapters, you know, I, I share it, obviously, with the wife first, because I don't want to look like an idiot when I submit this stuff to my agent publisher. But uh, I wrote chapter three, and I felt really good about it. And it's one of those chapters, too. Like, you write some things, but it's the, it really explains where the nickname Duty Noble came from. Because he was just Randolph until he came to Mississippi State. And so, when I, as I'm writing that, it just means so much to me to know how important it is for all of you to know that part of Mississippi State history. I take this stuff very seriously. And I don't think that you can take it too seriously. But it has been my honor to, uh, to work on this book. And uh, I, I think, I say this every time, it's the most important book I've ever written. I think this is one of those ones, right? I think this is a book, every one of them has been different. And they've all had a different meaning to me. But maybe it's because this is the one I'm working on now. This is an important book for me. It's an important book for Mississippi State. It's an important book for you. Because it's going to illustrate the life and times of a guy that uh, a lot of people don't know a lot about. They know the name. They don't know the man. They don't know his history. And they really don't know what all he accomplished in the way that he fought for Mississippi State. And there are some anecdotal stories that I'll be able to pass along in the book. They're going to make you awfully proud. And you're going to look at the name Duty Noble in a different light. It's not just going to be the name of our baseball stadium. You're going to understand that our baseball stadium was named after him, and the honor was really all of ours. And the more that I learn about Dirty Noble, the more respect that I have. And one of the things that I've learned, though, I was like, I thought, why aren't there noble people everywhere, right? Why aren't there noble people just all over our fan base? And the truth of the matter is, the family's really not very big, despite the fact that Dirty Noble was one of nine children. There's not a lot of descendants 
from William Alexander Noble, which is Duty's father. There were a lot of kids, but not a lot of grandkids or great nephews and nieces and things of that nature. It's not a really big family. But they all deeply love Mississippi State. And so it's one of those things that I pray about a lot, you know, that God will give me the strength and the wisdom and the words to illustrate this story in a way that it means something to all of you, but also, too, that I truly honor the legacy of Duty Noble. And uh, one of the reasons you write, too, is to educate yourself, right? When you go and tackle these historical topics, it's not just about you. It's not just me gathering a bunch of facts and just kind of stringing it all together and say, okay, here's the story. I want to know. And I joke about this all the time. I had a friend of mine, like every time I would learn something, I'd call him and say, hey, you can't believe this story. You can't believe this. This is incredible. And he goes, you know, Steve, you probably know more about Duty Noble than anybody alive. And I said, yeah, and I think my wife probably knows the second most about it, and she's tired of hearing about it. But uh, no, it's, truthfully, it, uh, it is a book that has really, really, really kind of gripped me in many respects uh, because I understand the value of this book in our fan base's history. Very, very important to me because you're the people that I want to make proud. You're the people that I care about. You know, uh, And so I share that with you because um, it's important to understand that uh, when, we, when it's our turn – you know, we can do what everybody else has done, and that does little to distinguish us. It doesn't matter if you're a writer or you're a carpenter or you know, you're a manager of a retail outfit. I don't know. But you have to do something special with your life, and that is a decision. Now, I'm a firm believer is, you know, if all you do is prove you belong here, then you probably don't belong here. You know what I'm saying? I, I think it's important for us to stand out and do amazing things with our lives. I'm not going to sit here and preach to you or pass around an offer and play. We're not going to have an altar call or anything like that. But uh, your messages to me about this book have meant an awful lot. And uh, a lot of people have shared their messages about when the bottom falls, about you know how it inspired them. I think chapter 19 may be the best thing I've ever written. And, of course, you don't need to skip ahead to chapter 19 because in order to understand 19, you got to read every chapter before that. But I've had people from all over the country uh, that have reached out about the Duty Noble book. I mean, people that have said, hey, my grandfather played for Duty Noble. I can't wait for this book. And other people reached out and said, hey, you know, my grandfather worked for Duty Noble. Or my grandparents went to church with Elizabeth Noble. And we're eagerly awaiting this book. And I would say since probably Flim Flam, this may be the most eagerly awaited book I've worked on, including Dogpile. Everybody was excited about Dogpile, but you already knew how that book ended, right? You, you, you've already seen the end of the story. This is a completely different dynamic, completely different. And so I'm working hard on it. Again, I'm going to finish chapter two, just kind of doing some editing because I've gotten some new details that only fit in that chapter. And so I'm going to get that, that, that finished up tonight after the OSU Texas game. And then we're going to get to work on Sunday, roughing out chapter four. I'll keep you guys updated. Uh, but it's, uh, it's very, very special to me. And I hope it's very special to you. But for those of you that have messaged me to offer your your tips and your moments and uh, messages of encouragement, thank you. Thank you very much. If you need Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com. You, you do need them. You do need it. You should. Uh, it's a cool-looking logo on an incredible uh, piece of fabric. Get T-shirts and hoodies there. And uh, come join us over at JeansPage.com. Now 30% off the annual subscription rate. Be sure and check in with us. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.